I really believe that collaboration is the key. And then if you're talking about interventions, I'm really egoless. I always work with other talented team members. I don't do them alone because I make no pretense that someone may fall in love with someone else or bond better with someone else. And that's the way we help move them to change. And because we deal with such complex families with such high intensity problems, you need more than one person. Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers, and I'm excited to have my bestie, Dr. Louise Stanger, with us today. Oh, my God. I am so excited to be back in this beautiful, beautiful setting and being with you today. I am so glad you flew in for this and to pay us a visit and to work with some families and just welcome to Houston. Well, thank you. I feel like you're home away from home. That is, that's what <laughs> my Mr. Wattis always says. When are you moving? And I go, you'll have to wait and see. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh! I want to read the audience. Everybody knows you, but I want to read the audience your bio. Oh, okay. Quick, right. Thank you. You bet. So, Dr. Louise Stanger focuses on strength-based solutions and invitational change. Dr. Stanger is an Ivy League Award winner, the 2019 Interventionist of the Year from DB Resources in London and McLean Hospital, an affiliate of Harvard. Educated social worker, popular author, number one best-selling author on Amazon, (laughs) an internationally renowned clinician, interventionist, speaker, and expert on mental health, addiction, process disorders, and chronic pain. You and I have had some wonderful times. Oh, my God. I just love working with you, and I love... Our cases are never easy. They are always, always so complicated. They and are. what I so appreciate is how I think we each bring super sleuth characteristics to solve a problem. Absolutely. That's uh, what I say is we're kind of like Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Right. And well, all we're after is really systemic change, not just for the identified loved yeah. one who is obviously the patient mm-hmm. that is at Flowers, but also for the family, because without the families changing That's as right. well, our identified loved one won't have the social supports and scaffolding so necessary to thrive. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, The name of the podcast is Understanding the Human Condition. So I want to ask you about the human condition. What is the one question that no one ever asks you, Louise, that you want someone to ask you? Well, I think they're all afraid to ask me. Like, it's no secret (laughs) that I am seasoned. And every once in a while, especially where I'm living now, people say, why do you still work? Why aren't you just playing pickleball every day and aren't you retired that's right Mm -hmm. and and to me for me and there's also good evidence base that i don't think for me i could ever stop working if i can ever be still of service 
or a mentor to others. Perhaps mm-hmm. after these 75 years, maybe my role might change because I really believe in creating legacy. Mm-hmm. But I love to work. I am so passionate about what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm so honored that families entrust me with their care and I can help mentor other young people as well in the field so that they can take the reins of leadership. Absolutely. And you do an amazing job at that. The other thing you do an amazing job at, obviously, is dressing well. (laughs) You walked in the office this morning and everybody was like, who is that model walking in? (laughs) Well, you know, a long time ago, I guess, as being a professor or a national presenter, Mm -hmm. there was a person named Jim Gray. Mm -hmm. And he told you that you needed to dress for success. In 12-step, they say you need to suit up and show up. Mm -hmm. And so I think knowing how absolutely positively magnificent the interior, the design of Jay Flowers is, plus knowing the intricacies because I've had the opportunity to work with your team for a long time Mm -hmm. over many years. One could only dress for success to come here. Thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) And you always dress for success. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, absolutely. But back to the question about retiring You know, my grandfather was a physician, and he retired at 92, and he was in perfect health at 92 years old. And within a year, his health declined when he retired, declined so much that he passed away about a year and a month later from retiring. And I really do believe that that had a specific effect on his death. Well, I think there's a lot of evidence out there that says that people who retire tend to feel more lonely, more depressed, Mm -hmm. not too sure what they're going to do. And, you know, the old adage was at 65, you collected your Social Security, you retired. But for me, when you take a look at some of the Mm -hmm. icons, like Grandma Moses, famous artists, famous even heads of state, you know, learning never ends. It's when I start repeating myself too much, when you have to help me out, and when... I think Ed, with aging, you have to be ready to stand by mm-hmm. and let other people go. You right. know, I always have that philosophy of learning that I got from a gentleman named Sheldon Kopp. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book a long time ago, If You Meet the Buddha on the Road, Kill Him. He was a fabulous psychotherapist like you, and he was always <laughs> talking about celebrities in the newspaper. But what he meant was, is that we're just this little speck along the way and the gift that our clients and obviously I was a professor, our students or the staff that we mentor, if they can far surpass us, then we have done a great job. And I hope that that would be somehow or other a legacy I could leave that I was able, whether it was clients, whether it was families, whether it was other people that I got to mentor or other organizations I got to work with that we left them in a better place. That's right. You know, and I know that from personal experience with you, you continued to have for many, 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 many years a personal relationship with one of your professors in San Diego. And you're mentoring people, so many people, but mm-hmm. that was one of your mentors. Is she still living? No, he's still living. He, so he Dr. Is, Glenn yeah. Hayworth is probably someone that you and I would both fall in love. He yeah. is 96 years old now. He is losing his eyesight Yet he sees with a clarity that only I could imagine. I go and visit him in La Jolla where he lives and I'm his emergency contact. So if he falls or slips, my heart stops. But he has a way and a chuckle about him that 
tells you that he's found meaning in the world and he's very existential in his stance. So whatever he is, he finds joy. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is the gift of Dr. Glenn Hayworth. That's amazing. And you've really been a trailblazer in your own life. You were a professor. You were a grant writing professor, (laughs) a, a NIHHH awarded professor, and many millions of dollars in research that you've done. And then you got into this industry. How did that, what was the transition for you? Well, there was, the truth of the matter is, and I guess in my, the, the textbook I wrote, The Definitive Guide to Addiction and Intervention, mm-hmm. someone said, how did you ever get involved with interventions? And they said, what course did you take? And I sort of chortled and laughed. Back in Auto Two or in the 80s at San Diego State University, alcohol and other drug issues were just skyrocketing across the world, especially on college campuses. And there was a law mandated that social workers, psychologists, MFTs needed a semester class in substance abuse. To put it in the context of time, this was a time when Betty Ford was alive. Betty Ford was just starting in Palm Desert. And so I was given the luxury of starting the first graduate seminar at San Diego State. Kevin McCauley was in my first class. Mm -hmm. That's sort of dates it. But what we would do at the time is we really didn't know a lot of information, Mm -hmm. but we would bring people into our classroom Mm -hmm. and they would talk. So one day, and it really sits in my heart, Mm -hmm. a very tall, stately gentleman came into my classroom His name was Dr. Frank Picard. Mm -hmm. Dr. Frank Picard happened to be best friends with a gentleman named Dr. Vern Johnson, who very few, when people are doing teaching interventions, they forget he was the granddaddy of interventions. He was a doctor. He wrote a book, I'll Quit Tomorrow. He talked to people when they were in the hospital. Well, Dr. Picard at that time was head of Springbrook, which was not owned by Hazleton, but was a separate entity up in Oregon. And he wrote a book that was sort of in opposition to Vern Johnson. And it was called, it was called Family Addiction. Okay. And so when he came in, he started talking to my class. And I was young and bright and bushy-tailed. I have no idea what happened in my class. All I know is he described my family perfectly. You know, like you did, I grew up on a fault line of trauma, Mm -hmm. five sudden deaths, death by suicide, mental health, you name it. I experienced it. Well, I got so excited. I had been an ER social worker. So very good in crisis, very good in quick assessment. Of course. I said, I can do this. I want to do this. And at the time, it was really the old model, which mm-hmm. was sort of, high. guess who's here? But I didn't feel comfortable with it, and either did Dr. Picard. Mm-hmm. He wanted more family involvement. I decided I needed to always team with someone else. I just wasn't going to go into a home all by myself without having another talented person mm-hmm. with me. So I started doing interventions under the tutelage of Dr. Picard, way before there were all these wonderful people that do intervention trainings. Mm -hmm. And along the way, I kept doing them. And through the years, I was very successful at the university and went and got a doctoral degree, decided I wanted to be an administrator Mm -hmm. and went over to the University of San Diego, brought in more money than they ever had in their entire life on a parent-based intervention to reduce high-risk problematic drinking, Uh which is a very (laughs) fancy title. But I didn't really, I felt uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. At that time, a gentleman who was about 90 asked me if I would invite 
-hmm. his daughter, who was slowly killing herself Mm -hmm. with alcohol Mm -hmm. and not being able to be grandmother. And it was the longest intervention I've ever done. He hired me in August. He had to get through Thanksgiving. He wanted to do Christmas and the day after Christmas. And, you know, I loved what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was a different kind of Mm -hmm. calling. I was used to creating, like you do, big macro systems. How do we reduce risk with major players across the country? And so I decided, shows you the dating, I would set up my own company. And then in those days, to make you laugh, there were yellow pages. Yeah, right. Okay? There were yes. yellow pages. So I called my company. I go, I know. I can be first in the yellow pages. I'll call it AAI, all about intervention. I love it. And then I went out and created my own brochure. Yep. And I was invited to go to wow. the desert to the one of the first moment of change. Mm-hmm. And it was very different because there was a lot of pay for plus speaking, sure. which I grew mm-hmm. up in a referee journal world where you had to publish in JAMA, yeah. Journal of American Medical Society. You got pencil whipped, you got rejected. But, and then I was very lucky. I, someone besides you, I mean, the Spatolas invited mm-hmm. me to go to speak on families. Sure. First time I spoke in families was in Palm Beach, a big room that looked like an aerobic studio. There was lots and lots of people there because you know the conference sure. that it used to be. And somehow or other, God was good. I got a God shot. I came home from that conference. The room was pretty packed. Sure. I spoke, had no expectation, and a big certificate came in the mail. And it said, you're the fan favorite speaker. I, I go, remember I that. Know. I go, how did that happen? <laughs> I remember that year. I yes. know. And you I were go, so excited. I mean, like, and I go, how could that happen? Yeah. I didn't even know anyone knew my name. Right. Yeah. And well, so, that was when you were brand new in that speaking in this industry. Yeah. Right? So and everybody showed up. Everybody fell in love with you and your career and interventions just took off. Yeah. But I'm always, you know, as you know, I've always loved collaborating with you. Yeah with Jay Flowers, and I really believe that collaboration is the key. Yeah. And then and when if you're talking about interventions, I'm really egoless. I always work with other talented team members. I don't do them alone because I make no pretense that someone may fall in love with someone else or bond better with someone else, yeah. and that's the way we help move them to change. Right. And because we deal with such complex families, with such high-intensity problems, you need more than one person. That's right. I agree. Walk our audience through a typical intervention process with you at All About Intervention. Okay. Well, since I've even had you do interventions with me, <laughs> I have. you have. You have. <laughs> successfully, so, I might successfully, say. Successfully. <laughs> very successfully. Well, look, nobody calls someone that's called an interventionist unless mm-hmm. their hearts are hurting. Right. They have nagged, borrowed, pleaded screamed, yelled, taken away money, given money, thrown someone out, let them come back in. But whatever it is, their loved one is struggling and it can be with mental Mm -hmm. health. We've seen more increase of anxiety and depression. It could be learning difficulties. 
It can be substance abuse, which is sort of, you know, skyrocketed. Women, sure. for example, have a 51% increase in substance abuse this year. Yep. It can be young men who have failed to launch. It could be because someone experienced trauma, the sudden death of someone, or they might have had even someone die from COVID, mm -hmm. or they've been involved in a, you know, they've been in the military, or they've been just a recipient of a natural disaster. There's so sure. many different ways to do it. But when someone calls me, their hearts are hurting and they say, look, this is all that we can try. And basically you listen and you say, "There's look, there's hope and there's strategy. Yeah. And if they decide I want to learn a little bit about them, I want to learn about, I call the mm -hmm. identified loved one. Yeah. And that's what you would call your patient. Like, why is your heart hurting? And there are three basic questions. You know, tell me something special about <laughs> the person. Tell me why your heart is hurting and tell me what your hope is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you have to navigate through anger mm -hmm. and sadness because a lot of people are angry because if people experience a mental health and or substance abuse and or chronic pain, right. which we've done a lot of clients together, they do things which violate their value stance but really annoy the other person. Right. Yeah. So in a long story short, we become engaged. And I use a research methodology called portraiture. I'm sort mm -hmm. of famous for what's called family mapping. Yes. It's just not your ordinary genogram. And <laughs> I thank you because your staff knows how to do it now because right. you've trained me. And it's a way, it's actually the nicest, kindest way into story. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I individual, I interview everybody individually. Mm -hmm. I ask them basically the same questions, but I want to learn about everybody's life. It's not just, I want to learn about the identified loved one. I want to learn about you. I want to learn about your grandparents. I want to learn where you came from. I want to learn how you grew up. I want to learn about the other children in the family right. or someone else. What this does is it provides a map, which doesn't mean that you use it all in an intervention, but mm -hmm. it provides one of the most robust biopsychosocials you can ever get. Because when you have a client come to you, they only do self-report. That's right. But what we've done is triangulation of data. Mm -hmm. We've had multiple data sources, and it's also a way that we can learn everything from what kind of music someone likes to understand what are some of the backstory of trauma that you're going to need to work on when they become like a flowers patient, not just in the first two weeks, but when they go That's on to right. your wellness mm -hmm. client. So that's how we do it. I always work with another person, and then we put all this together. And I know it sounds like a lot of hours, but I work in a bespoke concierge fashion. So there could be 20, 30, 40 hours, but it can be done pretty quickly in terms of back work because you only have this one opportunity. That's right. And at the same time, oh my gosh, I just thought of a client we had. I have been known, oh, audience, I hope you don't mind, <laughs> that. We had a client here and my teammate and I, the gentleman wanted us to intervene on a on his wife and she had chronic pain. Mm -hmm. There was a great deal of unresolved grief because they had a son die of an overdose. They had a, another daughter that was going to have a small baby and the husband called me to intervene on his wife. When I did the family map mm -hmm. and everything, I said to the gentleman, I said, I'm sorry, do you think you could possibly go to Dr. Flowers first for an evaluation? I don't think I can get your, I don't think we're ready right. to invite your mm -hmm. wife to change. And he did. He did. 
And yeah, it was nothing less than a miracle. Mm-hmm. He came back and he said he really loved you. He wasn't too sure. He said, Louise, Dr. Louise, Dr. Wheezy, I went with one addiction. I came back with 12. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I'm doing it. And then we did some incredible family work. Mm-hmm. Where in your offices, where I'll never forget it because it changed their trajectory Mm -hmm. because what was happening was there was so much unresolved grief and guilt over the loss of of a loved one. And while we were sitting here, and I can think about looking out the window here, a eagle soared by. And in that moment, that family got forgiveness, got transformation, and started on a different trajectory and really worked with so many wonderful clinicians and then continued to work. And, you know, like the, in the beginning, if you meet the boot on the road, kill him. I really disappeared into the backdrop, but I think that you have to know that when you're dealing with families, they're complex, Mm -hmm. they're high acuity and that you want to help all of them. That was a really, you know, great case to describe how a whole family system could change. How do you explain to a family that calls and says, but Dr. Wheezy, I need you to do this intervention tomorrow and it's Thursday evening. Please come get my husband and take him to treatment. Come get my daughter and take him to treatment. Can you be here at 9 a.m.? I go, no. (laughs) I go, go, you know, there are, I said, look, you know, I have to be honest with you. I also talk about their treatment dollars and their money because these people are desperate. And you have to understand that the problem did not just occur yesterday. The acuity or the anxiety is at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. And you say, so you go in and you say, look, I want to make this because you've now learned They've had other treatment experiences. They are doing things. And, you know, obviously, if they're psychotic, we get them 5150 sure. or something else because we, I say, don't worry about it. We can do the intervention from hospital, That's which right. is really good. But trying to hold them back and say, let's wait. Mm-hmm. You know, your treatment dollars are so important. Mm-hmm. And you've done this, this, and this, and it hasn't worked. Let's just spend a little bit of time. It won't be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We can take a look at our schedule. Mm-hmm. It can be like next week. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like it. you sure. have to wait forever. But I want to be able to do due diligence. I want to make sure that I give you the three best facilities in the country That's or right. that you will be that best. Fit that, that fit that profile mm-hmm. and also fit your pocketbook. Right. Because not everybody is alike. And people so appreciate that once they calm down. Mm-hmm. And once they're ready to see that, and if they really, you know, if, if they're adamant, I'm not the right person. That's and right. I say, I'm just not the right person. I'm yep. not going to come, you know, just stand there, come and and just show up without anything. I mean, an intervention is somewhat like, I guess, Ed Storty says, a living eulogy. That's right. And you want to make sure that you do that correctly. Mm-hmm. And you want to give that family who's been struggling the right tools so Mm -hmm. they can thrive. Right. And you want to be precise and methodical in the way that you do it. And I think it's amazing that you don't just say, yes, I'll be there in the morning. You know, you'll walk away from an intervention before you say yes. I'll give them, you know, I always am, look, I'm 
do a very bespoke concierge fashion. Let's see, who have I been teaming with lately? Shane Anderson, Jeff Merrick, who's mm-hmm. an attorney, Adam and, and Jenny Finley, David Malos. I yep. mean, but, and, and some other people, but, or Natasha, you know, mm-hmm. Silverbell and Max Ezrin from Youth Prevention. Yep. And each one of them has a different skill. That's right. And a different approach. And a different approach. Yep. So, but in terms of that, you want to make sure that you're doing the next best thing right. yep. for people. And you want to make sure that you're the best fit, because if you're not, you need to walk away. Look, the rates of substance abuse, the rates of mental health Mm -hmm. are just exploding across the United States. Mm -hmm. And so there should be enough work for everybody. What I really like about my team and I like about you, Mm -hmm. we came from academia. (laughs) I was sitting here thinking the same thing. I was like. It is so clear to me and clear to the audience that your background, you're coming from a clinical standpoint. You're coming from a doctoral level clinical social worker standpoint of your methodology and your research and your research background and being precise and, again, methodical on doing this. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people that are wonderful interventionists but don't have that academic background that you have or that you and I share. Yeah. And I think it's a fresh, amazing approach to have a doctoral-level clinician working as your interventionist. Yeah, I think it is. And I think that the other thing that we bring is personal. We don't really use much of our personal experience, but I was, I mean, my first book, my memoir, it's clearly falling up, a memoir of renewal clearly depicts I was born on a fault line of trauma. I mean, it's public knowledge. Five sudden deaths, uh, mental health, substance abuse, just uh, knitted (laughs) through my family (laughs) like a quilt that you could not, you didn't necessarily want to have. I think we grew up next door to each other. We did, we did. (laughs) And, you know, that gives us that. But also working with people who are also in recovery, it brings another dimension. But as far as family, and 97%, of all interventions are with family. Ben, That's let me right. clarify how we define them because I know you work with a lot of stained attorneys, mm-hmm. business managers for celebrities, right. hairdressers, mm-hmm. stylists, plus naval families, mm-hmm. plus people that just identify as, as this family. is my family. Yeah. So 97% of the work up front for an intervention is done with those people because the person who has the experiencing the substance use disorder or the mental health disorder or the chronic pain, they're going to, or the process disorder, they're going to keep doing what they're doing until these people change how they behave. That's right. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about something you're famous for as well is family mapping. Oh, I don't know what I'm famous for. (laughs) You do a lot of family mapping. I do a lot. Well, I think family intenses. I really love working with family and Mm -hmm. love collaborating with teams such as your clinical team to figure out. I've done created family programs. We did one a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I think the name is still in existence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They never changed our name. But really helping create that. I also do teaching. I still teach across and and will do teachings for other behavioral health care facilities. And I guess that's what I'm most famous for is working with families. Absolutely. And being part of a team. I think that's the most important thing, that Mm -hmm. we don't do these things in isolation with one another. I only do, someone said, well, why have you never taught an intervention course? Well, I've only taught people that have already been taught. There are many people that do great beginning courses. 
I just only wanted to work on a concierge bespoke fashion with people that are already had trainings. And really a mentor fashion. A mentor, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really yeah. what I was interested yeah. in. So you have never seen me really offer a course. Yeah. The only time I was going to offer a course, but it got canceled for COVID, the University of Wisconsin contracted with mm-hmm. me and we had a, a whole course and I was sure. really excited about that. But COVID took yep. that away. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about your latest book. Oh, my latest book is so exciting. In fact, I remember I wrote it during COVID. I had, you know, sometimes we get arrogant when we're on speaking mm-hmm. engagements. And I was speaking at the Providence Medical Center in Washington. And I was so excited because it was all doctors. And, you know, that's a different crowd. That's and right. Talking about actually using you, talking about chronic pain, trauma, and substance abuse. And I was coming back to the desert where I lived, and I was getting ready to fly off to do another speaking engagement. I was so excited because I was doing it. At the same time, I had been contracted or contacted by a publishing house Mm -hmm. to write a book. And I said, of course I can write a book. I'm the only person I know that actually believes they can actually write a book without a ghostwriter. That would have been my third book. And I said, no problem. I'll sign the contract. And they said, do you understand you're going to write in March? It needs to be done by July. I go, no problem. I can do that. I can do that because I like to write at five in the morning. (laughs) I came back to the desert. I signed the contract. And the world stopped on March 13th. COVID hit. And I was very grateful to have the opportunity to write Addiction in the Family, Helping Families Navigate Challenges, Emotions, and Recovery. Mm -hmm. I wish they had let me call it Addiction in Mental Health because it covers both. But I wrote it and they gave me an editor who was really good. Who Mm -hmm. This was the first book I was taught you have to just keep writing because I had, you can't go back and redo chapters one and Not two. Not from March till, to July. No, until you have seven and then you go back. Yeah. And it was just about the guidebook that I wish mm-hmm. I had. It yeah. says, what do you do? What do you say? It talks about treatment. What yeah. do you look for in a behavioral health care facility? What kinds of different treatments? Even what do you look for in an intervention? But it also, what I like on the end of every chapter, and it's six easy chapters, Mm -hmm. you know, because you graciously give it away to everybody. Mm -hmm. It has exercises that can help family from breathing to journaling to being grateful. I love the grateful one. Like this morning, did you wake up and do your grateful list? I did actually, yes. Yeah, so, (laughs) so we know that if you can write down three things you're grateful for every day, even in the midst of having a kid running around, not leaving the bedroom, not doing this, Mm -hmm. lying, cheating, stealing. It changes your actual brain chemistry. And the researcher was Edmonds, who was a psychologist Mm -hmm. in the psychology of happiness. But also walking, doing some type of physical exercise, journaling. And then, you know, the famous one, which I always give families is... In there, I invite every. Oh, by the way, I always work by invitation only. Yes, <laughs> yes. I can't tell you what to do. I'll just invite you. But right. I always invite you to do nine things every week to take care of yourself physically, emotionally, consistent with yep. your values, or spiritually. Right. And you do that here at Flowers, just in terms of the way you structure right. a client's mm-hmm. activities. Yep. We really believe in that biopsychosocial approach. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, unfortunately, we're running out of time. Oh, my gosh. I'm so I want to know. No, I could talk to you. I will be talking to you all day long today. <laughs> yeah. We just can keep talking. We can't do it on the podcast. So how do people reach you, Dr. Stenger? 
oh, I'm one of the few people. I think I'll just pick it up. Yeah. So I still answer my own phone. All you do is you pick up and go 619-507-1699, or you can check me out on my website, yep. which is www.allaboutinterventions.com. And like Dr. Flowers, when I was after I finished writing the book, during COVID, I thought, well, maybe I should make some YouTube videos just to explain about mm-hmm. what an intervention is and how to do that. So I do have an All About Interventions YouTube yes. videos. It's amazing. It's so educational. Yeah. And what's it? Do they just go to YouTube and go All About Interventions? Yeah, just All, all About right. Interventions. Yep. And maybe tomorrow, all right. I don't know how much I think, you can catch, you can catch me on Katie Kirk's podcast. That's amazing. That is fan- Where do you listen to Katie Couric's podcast? I think it's called What's Next. And Katie interviewed Elizabeth Vargas, uh-huh. myself, and two other women. And I know that Katie was really interested yeah. in learning about addiction in women. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, Elizabeth is in recovery. Yeah. And so has I... Has an amazing story. Has an amazing yeah. story. Amazing story. We learned that we were together on the island of Okinawa, only she was nine and I was 20. Wow. And her trauma Amazing. was very different than yeah, mine. Absolutely. But yeah. Well, tune in tomorrow to Katie Couric's podcast and listen to Dr. Stanger, Elizabeth Vargas, and a few other women talk to Katie about recovery and life. Yeah. And you can reach us at jflowershealth.com or 713-783-6655. And we want to remind you that a clear diagnosis is the most effective treatment possible. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Louise, thank you so much. Love thank, you to death. I'm thank so glad you, you're James. in Houston. I'm yeah. so glad I'm here. I love it. <laughs> we'll do this again soon. Yes. Thanks, everybody. And I'd like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there are numerous platforms to find our podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please share this episode on social media or with someone that you think it could help. Absolutely. And we remind you also that a clear diagnosis is key to the most effective treatment possible. Yes, it is. See you next week. Thanks again, Robin. Thank you.